Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today, our guest is Captain Ross Robertson, a Lake Erie charter captain and fishing guide. And today, we're going to talk about some walleye fishing on Lake Erie. Recently, there was an article published on the Bass Pro Shops website about proven theories from a walleye fishing guide, and I thought it was pretty interesting. It'd be good to have Ross on to talk about this stuff. Ross, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a good day to do it. It's blowing about 30 out of the east today, so there's not much else we can get done with fishing <laughs> unless we're tying knots. We can't fish. Let's at least talk about fishing. You're in Lake Erie. Tell us about your location and your charter and where you're at. I, I spend most of my time near Port Clinton area, so we're kind of right at that cusp where the western and central basins meet. And it's definitely where the most amount of, I would say, yearly action goes down. Um, you know, the ice fishing all is literally right out my back door here. Um, in the spring and the fall, there's a lot of fish here. In the summer, you know, a lot of those fish will migrate if we get a really hot year, uh, you know, down a little bit, but it's a short drive. So even though we've got a couple hundred mile long lake here, you know, these fish really do move a lot. I don't have to go much, probably more than a half an hour in either direction, and we're on a lot of fish, so that's why it's home. You're in a good spot there, and you talk about being kind of in the middle of, of between the eastern basin and western basin. That's got to put you in a spot, too, where you can use a lot of different techniques, and it's not just one size fits all the way you're fishing. You get to uh, try out some different styles of fishing. I mean, honestly, you know, I've got guys that'll fish, you know, basically every month with me, you know, they'll try to, you know, book a trip uh, every month and just, to, and it's, it's almost like the difference between fishing Devil's Lake and Mille Lacs and a Canadian Shield Lake or something, or, you know, maybe more drastic than that, because as these fish migrate back and forth, not that you have to be at so-and-so port, but the Central Basin fish is totally different than the Western Basin. Uh, you know, roughly the average depth is about double in the Central Basin than it is the Western Basin, not quite, but, um, and it just really, it sets up totally, totally different. And then when you've got that much more water and a lot less structure, um, you know, the fish are, they don't have as much to relate to, so it can be really difficult to find them. So when you talk about difficult to find, one of the tools in your tool chest is the Fishhawk X2. And, um, we've actually gotten some feedback from the podcast lately. People, we tried to do this show and not talk about Fishhawk. We wanted to really focus on fishing and, and what people are doing. And I've actually had a lot of people go, we wish you talked more about Fishhawk because we want to know how it works. So this is going to be your opportunity to be that guy. Uh, tell us about how you're using your Fishhawk to find those fish and, and dial in on them once you've got them fine. Well, you know, kind of even backing up just a little bit, people always, I've got a Minn Kota town on the back of my boat. And when you stop at the gas station or even in the parking lot for years, people would be like, what is that? And um, for just that reason, when we were working on the Fishhawk X2 development, uh, I, I couldn't really leave it on my boat. You know, I took it on and off, which is kind of the whole point of it. But mm -hmm. uh, I leave it on there all the time because I use it so much as far as the module just slides in and out of my track system. But it's the very beginning there. Yeah. I mean, we didn't want anybody to know because we spent about two years trying to fine tune that thing as it is. And now people just stop me all the time because they're looking at the GPSs and stuff and they look at that and they're like, what is a fish hawk? Um, mm -hmm. And really what it is, is it's, it's, I mean, it's a temperature probe too. Uh, I honestly don't use it for that as much. I mean, there are times, you know, places like Lake Michigan, it's much more important than it is where I live. 
but it allows me to see those currents. And simply put, I don't care who you are, I'm really good at reading current scenes and things just like a good river guide or tournament angler is. But when you're on open water and it's really rough or when it's really flat, and I would argue in between, covering the gamut there, but when it's really flat, I don't care who you are, anybody can relate to this story that's been out on any body of water. This is Lax or Lake Erie. You're trolling one way and you just wallop them. You turn around come back and you literally go right through the same fish. There's nobody there. You want to get back on them and you don't catch it hardly a fish or you catch one or two where you caught a dozen. And immediately, you know, my mind starts thinking, you know, back in the day, right? They moved or they went up, they went down. They don't like this anymore. We spooked them. And the simple reality is it's generally current related and your lures aren't working or they've raised up or lower in the water column, depending on if they were weighted or not because of that speed change. So in back in the day, I used to use an extra rod with no hooks on it. And I kind of try to see that. I'd watch the boards. There's a lot of little tricks you can do. But simply put, none of them are foolproof. Not, they change you know, what's right on Monday is wrong on Tuesday. So the X2, I can simply look over and I, it'll say, as an example, let's say my speed over ground is 1.5. I may look down on a daily basis and see that my, my real speed with that fish hawk probe is at 1.8 or maybe it's at 1.2. The number doesn't matter. I just increase or decrease my driving speed in order to meet that. You know, so I, I know what it was going the other way. We're, we're using that kind of as a control. So the ability to, to take different angles and cuts and still be doing that same speed is an absolute game changer. You, you can't outfish somebody because just there's no way of knowing. Even if you were in a boat right next to me, you know, it just you don't know. It's it's that unique and individual. Yeah. So being able to to kind of find that speed that they want is a big deal for you and and kind of what kind of speed and keep doing it what's that and keep doing it you know yeah and, and keep doing being able to replicate that what kind of speeds are you generally looking for when you're out trolling walleyes on lake erie in your area uh you know, that's an impossible question but i mean i, I mean it, well i'm gonna give you the real answer but it's gonna sound like a fake one you know it's anywhere from 0.8 miles an hour to upwards of three miles an hour uh, and, you know, I, I know of some guys that say that they troll three, three and a half, but, you know, as the water gets warmer. Um, this spring, honestly, there was days where I was doing, you know, one five, one seven, where traditionally, if you'd have done that, you could have caught just as many at the local pub. Um, mm -hmm. So e every day is different. And that's one of the good things. And again, not to keep talking about the, the fish hawk thing, but the reason it took so long is we made changes to that. So that will, it will read at like 0.8. Originally, when we first were messing around, it was about one, maybe, I, you could argue 1.2. And, and we spent quite a bit of time. I know certain people were not happy <laughs> because how much time we spent on that. But that couple tenths is huge for guys that are fishing early and late. Because that really, that, that difference between 0.8 and 1 means the lure is moving and wobbling, or it's not. And often days, it also means getting better now. Mm -hmm. And just being able to replicate that speed. You talked about doing some zigzags. And in this article, you really kind of dialed in on using your front motor, not your kicker motor. How do you decide when you're out there on a day, which motor you're going to use to do your trolling? Uh, you know, just the other day I was out there and we, I did use my kicker, but we had a south wind that was blowing 25 miles an hour. So we were probably a mile offshore. It was rough as a cob. And if we didn't do that, the boat was going to dogleg. And, you know, again, I'm not out there for pretty points, you know, you can tell here, but <laughs> but it doesn't matter what you think you need. The reality is, is when you're doglegging, one side of the boat is not going to be consistent because now we change how those lures are pulling on one side. Don't believe me? Try it. So 
by, by running the kicker and my bow mount just the other day, literally I think it was two days ago, together, I was able to kind of keep a straight track and, and also follow the contour. You know, you seem to be getting fit, fit in a certain depth level there better. Um, so boat control is everything. You know, maybe you're using a drift bag because you want to slow down and not speed up. Um, all of these things, are, there's never just like everything people think that there's a one, there's a silver bullet answer and there's not. But when in doubt, I fish slower, slow as I can, believe it or not. I mean, I want to fish as fast as I can, but typically I feel that when I fish slower than what most people are doing, I'm going to get bigger bites and I'm going to work that area over a little bit better and I'm going to get those fish the guys missed. Um, and I'm generally just using like my Minn Kota trolling motor. I don't know if it's the spooking factor, the, you know, more incremental speed control. I think it's all of those things. Um, but generally, if I have my druthers, that's what I, what I do. And how are you, how are you going about your troll? Um, you know, what sort of patterns are you using and why do you do the things that you do when you're, when you're trolling? You know, and again, when, when you talk to like fishing stuff, I, I compare it to like uh, woodworking or, or doing some home projects like that. You know, if a guy asks you a question, uh, let's say we're refinishing cabinets or something and, and you answer it and you answer it truthfully, but the guy doesn't ask another three or four questions, you know, that make pertinent to knowing what that end result is going to be. It's the same thing with fishing in that, <clears throat> you know, I fish slower than everybody, but if you don't, you know, or you don't have the ability to mark fish at speed and narrow down that school, like I'm going to be on fish, like I'm fishing fish. I'm not just happening on pond, pod upon pod. So, you know, those are all those little things that you put together, if that makes sense, that you can't just, you can't do one part of the equation, if that makes kind of sense. Sure, it does. It does make sense, Russ. Um, when you're out there and, and you're you're kind of putting your plan together, how do you how do you go about executing that plan? Once lines are in the water and, and you're starting to go, what does that plan look like, and how are you executing? The good thing and the bad thing is, is I've got 25 years experience. So, you know, sometimes I think I got a better game plan than somebody, you know, that doesn't do it every day. The bad thing is sometimes you, you, you fish memories <laughs> and that's, that is the key. And, um, you know, I, again, I know certain times a year I can go certain places and for 15, 20 years, it's worked really well. Not all the time, but I think the key is, is, is really fishing the conditions. So for me, yeah, I mean, it's different because I fish every day. So my answer is probably gonna be different than most people that are listening to this. You know, nowadays, you know, I see some of these forums and I just kind of, you know, I want to throw stuff at the screen and everything because here's a forum showing, hey, this is really where the fish are at. You know, I, I know that because I'm out every day. So again, hate to be a bummer, but I don't want 500 people on top of me, right? So a lot of these forums, you know, a good a local bait shop, you know, give, give your business to a local bait shop. Uh, because those guys, you know, know guys like me that are out on the water all the time, and that can help formulate a, a better starting point for the average guy. Um, you know, and again, just fish the conditions and don't be afraid to do something different. Like this spring, we had fished faster than I would normally go. And I found that, like, to the point of that article, by doing some turns to get out of the way of somebody that just set up in front of me and was gawking, and we started catching fish on a fast turn. Well, 20-some years of experience says, man, you don't go that fast. You don't catch big fish but we were. So you throw that out the window and you say, this is what's happening right now. We're living in the moment. Um, but again, don't be afraid to just make, you know, don't sell out with stuff. I think that's the biggest thing is don't just throw every lure out there the same because you caught one or two fish. You know, I don't know how many times I see guys that are guide clients like, don't you have six more of those lures? Let's put them all out. And, and a pattern, you know, one or two fish is not a pattern. Now, if you only think you're going to get five or six bites a day, maybe 
maybe that's the case. But I tend to not change things as much as most guys um, and just kind of kind of watch things progress. You know, you're going to miss things. If you, if you set all your lures at one depth level, for example, you're going to miss when those fish go up and down. So I'll sacrifice a few fish. Maybe I only catch one or two out of a pod where you may catch three or four. But throughout the day, I'm going to win the battle because as the fish goes up and down, I'm still going to get a couple here and a couple there where you're probably going to miss those if you sell out at a given depth level. level excuse me. We talked about using the fish hawk a little while ago, but tell us about the other electronics on your boat and how you're using those to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. Electronics are huge, man. If, if there is a silver bullet, uh, you know, or a secret weapon now, that is for sure it because like we've, to me and you have talked before personally about, you know, being able to mark fish at 30, 40 miles an hour and, and narrow that stuff down. I mean, when you're fishing one, two, or even three miles of water or miles per hour in the water there, you just, you can't cover enough water. You run out of daylight. Um, so for me, I've got Hummingbird Helix units on there and I'm using regular, just simple 2D sonar to mark my fish at speed. And then when I'm going slower, you know, I'll use some 2D. A lot of my, a lot of what I actually do when I'm fishing is the GPS. I really pay attention to, um, you know, my course and then like Lake Master mapping, you know, seeing those, I can almost anymore with the Lake Master mapping, you can almost tell where you're going to get bit, you know, when you see humps or the contours because they're so, so accurate. It's not like in the past, remember when we first had mapping, it was just like a big blue deal and you had a few lines on there. I mean, this stuff is really, really, really accurate now. Um, but then I'm also more and more and more using the side imaging, like the Hummingbird Mega side imaging is insane, uh, the detail level on it. And, you know, use that for search and destroy too. Um, and you're going out there and trying to learn a rock pile or something, it's a lot easier to learn that rock pile when you're trolling around on your big motor with no lines out at three, four miles an hour, maybe five miles an hour, than it is trying to rig it at 0.7. Talk about your setup. How are you setting up your lines? How many lines are you putting out? And kind of how you have those staggered in your boat and what you're doing there? Well, in, in the past, we were only allowed two lines. So this year we're allowed three per person, which is crazy because that extra one or two lines really is big for me because I tend to take those now and I'm running one either super high or super deep, you know, right on the bottom or way high, where in the past I wouldn't want to maybe sacrifice that extra line or two um, for that. But again, a lot of days those aren't going to be your, your numbers bites, but they're going to be your quantity or quality bites. So I feel a lot more comfortable, you know, leaving one or two out there. Now the other day we caught a bunch of fish snapped weight, you know, right near the bottom. Traditionally, those fish don't bite real good this time of year, but they did the other day, and that extra line that I ran down there, I was able to kind of figure that out with. But um, probably the biggest tip I would give you, and again, it sounds like I'm getting paid by the dollar to sell this, you know, marking while you're, uh, while you're graphing or not while you're fishing, it's the old doing 20, 30 miles an hour. But I usually, if, if somebody does this, pay attention to where those fish, when you go through school, at where they mark, you know, depth level wise, 15 feet down, 20 feet down, whatever. And then go over them with your boat when you're fishing and see where you mark them at. Almost always those fish go down. I think part of it's just they kind of skedaddle out to the sides. But regardless, I usually don't set my lines. I spread them out regardless. I don't set them according to what I see on the graph, which blows people's minds. But um, depending on where they're located in the, in the transducer cone, is going to change actually where they are also. So uh, biggest tip I could give you is don't see fish at 20 feet and then go, hey, I'm putting all six lines at 20 feet because they're all there. I will promise you that you'll be amazed at how many fish that you catch well above that, whether they're coming up or that's not really where they're at, or fish below that that you're just not seeing. And you, you talked about spreading those lines out. How are you spreading your lines out? How are you getting those lines out? And what kind of depth, you know, uh, 
what's your variance look like as far as how much of the water column are you covering and how are you getting your lines out, out wide? Yeah, not a good answer for that as far as, you know, the, the spreading of the lures out because it changes so much depending on how deep we are. You know, in the springtime, we may be fishing in 15 foot of water one day and 40 the next um, as these fish kind of transition from post-spawn to pre-spawn and stuff like that. Um, but I'm using pointer boards. You know, that's the easiest way of not getting tangles, being able to get those lines spread out, run multiple lines, uh, whether it's a spooking factor or whatever, um, you know, getting just getting stuff away from the boat without getting tangles. So, and spread the lines out to your point. I, there's not a good answer for that, um, but depending on where you're at and how the depth that you're in, you know, just just spread them out so it looks like a rake down there. You know, don't put everything at one level. That's, that's, there, there isn't anybody that would give you an exact answer like that. They probably don't know what they're talking about uh, because it's going to change from day to day, honestly. I know that's a good, that's not a fancy answer, but it's the truthful one. I know things change throughout the year based on, on uh, you know, water temperature and everything else you got going on, but what are some of your favorite baits, favorite lures to use for spring walleye fishing on Lake Erie? I would say, you know, the good old husky jerk has taken a back seat the last few years, but I can't think of how many fish I've caught on that through the years. Um, same thing with the reef runner. You know, a lot of guys are that's taking a back seat for a lot of guys. You look at forums and web pages and things, uh, but I catch the tar out of both of them on those. Uh, the bandit's a good one. I mean, everybody's using the bandits on the Great Lakes and dirty water. That's, that's the bait. Um, but I would tell people, don't forget about the other two I just mentioned, because if, if the water's not really dirty, those are just flat out fish catchers. Um, I would say the dark horse would be or the one you probably don't have in your boat that you should would be the reef runner ripstick. I've probably caught more fish over 10 pounds on that bait through the years than anything else. Um, and you can run it on dipsy diver, you can snap weight it down and everything. But when those fish are, those bigger fish are coming in, whether it's pre-spawn or post-spawn, and they're, they're above a lot of the other smaller fish that are, you know, deeper in the water column, that ripstick is is kind of a freak in that it's, I want to say it gets down like 12, 13 feet fairly easily on monofilament line, you know, slow trolled, where a typical stick bait, probably not going to get down much more than six. So that extra diving depth, but having that subtle action, it's got kind of literally a V built, looks like a coffin. Um, that thing's just, that's a producer. I got a lot of them and I got a lot of them that are chewed up. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's how you know what's, what's catching fish. Those baits are all beat up. Yes, sir. Ross, it's been good talking to you. Is there something about spring walleye fishing that you want to bring up that I didn't ask you about? Um, I would say avoid braided line if possible. One of the things that I see with guys now, you know, boat launches and stuff, is I'm not going to tell you that you don't catch fish with braid line. You know, I jig with it sometimes. Uh, but when you're trolling, you generally I would tell you to look at monofilament line. Like I use Sunline Supernatural, um, 16 or 20 pound test. It's like anywhere from 0.03 to 0.01 four or five or something diameter in that between those two pound tests but you're going to lose a lot less fish and when you're going really slow it presents that bait more subtly and especially in waves you're going to have a less herky-jerky i can tell you that I'll, I'll try to mix in braid every now and then when i feel like i want to get deeper or just experiment because we do have more lines that we're allowed to run now and there are a lot of days where the hot bait on braid catches zero and the mono rods are just firing left and right so if you're using it and you're not getting bit, try spooling up the mono. So Ross, this uh, whole coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, has uh, really kind of thrown a wrench into all of the plans of charter captains 
throughout pretty much everywhere. And I know you guys are trying to get out on the water with your clients again. You're probably going to have a, a much shorter season than what you're used to. Uh, I know a lot of guys are planning on trying to really pack in the trips as well as they can. If people are interested in getting out on the water with you and learning more about catching walleyes with you, how do they reach you? How do they find you? How do they book a trip with you? Big Water Fishing, all one word, bigwaterfishing.com is my website. Uh, same thing for YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff, Big Water Fishing. Um, we got all my contact out there. I'm, I'm easy to find. I can't murder nobody. <laughs> if, I, if I hit anybody, if there's any domestic salt or anything, I beat any fishing guys up, they're going to know where I'm at. I'm all over posted. So. Captain Ross Robertson, easy to find, a great YouTube channel as well if you want to see what he's up to and what he's got going on at bigwaterfishing.com. Thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.